everybody. Everybody doing well? Praise God. I so appreciate you being here. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, we're going to continue our series this morning on uh, I Love My Church, uh, but I just wanted to talk to you for just a minute about the amazing things that have been going on. Uh, you saw the men's retreat video, and uh, we took 40 men to men's retreat. That's the largest group we've ever taken in the history of the church, and I feel very, uh, very easily next year, I believe we'll take 50 men. Uh, we could even possibly take more. God did incredible things there. This past Wednesday, of course, we did Ground Zero on Power Kids. Uh, Power Kids is packed on Wednesday night. We have 140 kindergarten. Yeah, hang on. That's good. Somebody's clapping. Thank you. Right. Uh, yeah, hang on. Yeah, I want you to clap, but just let me say this. We have 140 kindergarten through fifth graders uh, who are packing that place out <clears throat> and are hearing the gospel and are being loved and being ministered to. Now go ahead and clap, everybody. Come on. Amen. <clears throat> we started Refresh. In Ground Zero. Now, we did church in Ground Zero Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. And each night, we had 125, 130, 135 teenagers in this very room. The last night was Friday night, and God moved so powerfully in those services. And teenagers were so ministered to. And I, I just want to, you know, within me, I want you to be aware of what God is doing in our midst. And God's moving on the teenagers. Uh, I look across this room and I see teenagers from Grind Zero who don't normally come, who've come without their parents, who walked here to get to church. And uh, I'm very, would y'all give them a hand? I'm proud of them for being here. <clears throat> And so they came to church this morning, and so I'm glad that they're here. Uh, last night was Saturday night, and we did our first uh, first Saturday, and that was last night. And we had an amazing service, and uh, God moved mightily. So this is our third service for the weekend. And so I just want you to be aware as a believer that God's doing amazing things in our midst. And you, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be hopeful uh, because it's, it's amazing what God's doing. Amen? Amen. All right, I want to continue this morning on my series, I Love My Church. Now, before I get into it, I want to throw out one little advertisement. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be starting a new series, and it's called Imagine Heaven. Imagine Heaven. I just finished reading a book recently uh, by a man who wrote a book called Imagine Heaven. It's one of the best books I've read, and we're going to talk about heaven. If you've lost a loved one, if you have felt pain from losing someone, you're going to want to be in this series. If you know somebody that's suffering because they've lost a loved one, uh, even in the last few years or even longer than that, listen, this message will minister to you. We're going to talk about heaven. I'm going to show you some amazing things in Scripture. We're going to read some amazing stories of people that have had near-death experiences who were able to go to heaven and came back. And so you're not going to want to miss this series. It's going to be incredible. And we're going to be starting that after I finish this. But I'm talking this morning about I Love My Church. I want to remind you of three things that we talked about. Uh, here's the very first thing that we talked about. We found out that the church is like a house. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 20 says, Together we're God's house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. So we found out that we're a house, all right? God brought us together. Now listen to this statement. Church is not a place I go. It's a people I belong to. Let me read it again. Church is not a place I go. It's a people I belong to. So we found out that we're a house. Here's the second thing. We found out that we're a body. The Bible says that you and I are the body of Christ. 
All right, we're not a club, right? We're not an organization. We're the living, breathing body of Jesus Christ. In your family, it's your job. In this community, you and I are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. I've got a simple, simple little object lesson for you. Obviously, I have two branches, and you can see that this one was removed from the tree uh, quite a while ago, and it's dead and withered, and you can see that this one was removed just this morning. That's when we took it off, and it's still vibrant and green. Now, here's what I, everybody understands this. Nobody in this room looks at this and says, well, I don't understand that or that's weird. We know that if you cut flowers and bring them in the house, they're going to wither and die. If you cut a branch, it's going to wither and die. If I were to lose a finger or a toe or an arm and it's not reattached, it withers and dies. The Bible speaks to this very plainly about us as the body of Christ. Listen, when you're not in God's house, when you're not connected to the body, this is what happens to you. But when you're connected to the body of Christ and we're with each other and around each other, we have an opportunity to be vibrant and green. Now, we don't question it in the natural, but I see lots of people who question it in the spiritual. Then here's the third thing we found out. We're a flock. We're a flock. Now, I said this last week. I'm a guy. I don't want to be a sheep, all right? I want to be a bear. I want to be a wolf. Uh, I want to be an eagle. I don't want to be a sheep. And so sometimes we think, well, come on, pastor. Don't talk about me being a sheep. But here's what I want you to understand. In this part of the country where we live, uh, we have cattle. And men who raise cattle go into the field regularly, daily, and they check their cattle. But here's what they don't do. They never spend the night in the field with their animals. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, shepherds lived with the sheep. They spent the night with the sheep. They took care of the sheep. The Bible says that you and I are sheep and Jesus is our shepherd. And our shepherd doesn't visit us. Our shepherd doesn't come check on us. He lives with us. And so he's the chief shepherd and I'm the under shepherd. And here's what we want to happen when you're in church. We want you to be well cared for. You see, the Spirit of God wants to care for you, and then He wants to minister to us when we're together, and we spend time together as a body of believers. So, we're a house, right? We're a body, and we're a flock. Now, here's the next thing I want to show you this morning. When you come into this place, one of the things that's supposed to happen is you have an opportunity to grow spiritually. All right, I have a nine-month-old granddaughter. If you don't know that, you need to know it. Amen? And uh, she is uh, the joy of our life, and we're so excited to have her. And from the time she was born on December the 30th until now, she's done one thing. She's growing, and she's changing all the time. It's amazing to look back at pictures of her even three months ago and how much she's changed. And her mama can kind of have a hard time with that. Oh, she's changing too much, but she's constantly changing. Do you know that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you've been born again? Now, what does that mean? Well, you see, I was born in the natural. You were born in the natural. But then Jesus said, I also had to be born in the Spirit. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. So when you receive Jesus as your Savior, you were born into God's kingdom. And guess what? You're a baby at that time. See, you're not born spiritually mature, just like you're not born physically mature. See, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. You opened the door and stepped into the kingdom of God, and when you stepped into that kingdom, you're a baby or you're a new Christian. And so one of the things that's supposed to happen to us is we're supposed to grow, we're supposed to mature. The things that bothered me five years ago and that I struggled with five years ago, I grow past some of those things, and I continue to mature. I want to read a scripture to you this morning. 
out of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, starting with verse 18, and I'm going to read it to you on the screen. Matthew 28, 18, and 19. Listen to what this says. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to focus on one key word this morning, and it's the word disciple. You see, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a Jewish rabbi, and he had a group of men who followed him, and we call those men disciples, and they went with him, and they followed him. Now, they didn't spend time with him while he taught them and then go back home. They gave up their lives. They gave up their jobs, and they followed him everywhere he went. They basically lived with him. That's what a disciple did. Now, I want you to understand this. It's really simple, but it's very powerful. See, in those times, the goal of a disciple was to become like the teacher. See, Jesus taught. Absolutely, he taught. But you see, the disciples didn't just want knowledge. The goal of a disciple is to become like the teacher. Now, in our Western culture, we don't even think like that. Okay, Ashley's a teacher at the junior high, and she teaches sixth grade reading. And I know some of you in here are teachers, or you have children that are in school, or you've even been to college. And what happens when you go to school? Well, you go to school so the teacher can give you their knowledge. Ashley teaches her kids how to improve their reading and how to read better. But you see, in our Western culture, we don't send our kids to school to become like the teacher. We send them to get knowledge. Jesus didn't use the word student. He used the word disciple. Do you know what our goal should be as a Christian? That we're becoming like Christ. We're becoming like our master. We're becoming like our savior. Do you know what the word Christian means? The word Christian means what? Christ-like. Do you remember several years ago when Christians were wearing those little bracelets and it said on there, what would Jesus do? All right, you see, our goal as Christians is not to fill our heads with knowledge. Our goal as Christians is not to fill our lives with Christian duty, and those are good things. Our goal is to become like Jesus, not just to get knowledge. Now, listen to this statement. Real spiritual growth can't just be measured by how much you know about God, but rather by how much you're like God. Listen to it again. Real spiritual growth can't just be measured in your life by how much you know about God, but rather how much you're like God. Now, here's where the disconnect is. Have you ever been around anybody that said they were a Christian and you wondered if they really were? And maybe all of us have experienced that. I've experienced it. You know, you get around somebody and they say they're a Christian, but it doesn't look like there's very much of it in their lives. Okay. There's a disconnect. There can be a disconnect in our lives in what we say we believe and then how we live. You see, when I was a kid growing up, I was taught in church that there's a throne on the inside of my heart. And then when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, I stepped down off that throne and Jesus ascended to the throne and he took over my life. He became my Lord. You know, Lord means boss, right? And so a lot of times what happens to us is we want Jesus, we want his heaven but we don't want to give up control. I don't want to get off my throne. I want to stay on my throne. Or you know what we do? We add on to it and we make it a love seat, 
right? Right. We make it a love seat, right? And I'm on the throne, but Jesus, you can be over here. Now, of course, he's not on the side where the steering wheel is, but I'll let you touch the steering wheel if you want to. But I'm driving, right? Exactly. You've seen those old stickers that God's my co-pilot. Got bad news for you. He does not want to be the co-pilot. He wants to be the pilot. And so what I found out was when I was young is I have to surrender my life to Christ. I don't want there to be a disconnect between what I say and what I do. Let me tell you a story. A couple of weeks ago, I did a funeral of a young man who lived in this community. He had moved to Riadosa. Many of you know who he is, and he passed away sadly. Well, he moved to Riadosa, and while he was there, he joined the Bandidos motorcycle gang. Well, I was called to do the funeral, and I, I wasn't really nervous, but I just didn't know what to expect. I'd never done a funeral like that with, with a motorcycle gang, and so I made the mistake of Googling the Bandidos, okay? And yeah, and I didn't get good news. Okay, yeah. Here, here's what I found out. I found out that they're one of the top three most dangerous motorcycle gangs in America. It's the Hell's Angels, the Bandidos, and the Mongols. And and then I read a whole list of all the activities they were involved in. And there was not Sunday school in there anywhere. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was looking, but I, I didn't see any of that in there. So I, I made the mistake of doing that. And so I'm, I'll have to admit to you, I was a little nervous. Well, I went to the funeral home three days before the funeral just to talk about the details and there were already three men there from that gang and they were there three days ahead and they stood guard they were sentries over the the man who'd passed away and they were there for three days before to be there kind of as a guard if you will and on the day of the funeral the funeral home only holds about 160 people and it was about half full with family and then there were other gang members who were in the service, but the vast majority of them were outside. There were probably 150 of them there. They came from five states away to, to be at this funeral. Most of them didn't know him, but they considered him to be their brother. Now, why am I telling you this story? Here's what I want you to see. My experience with these men blew me away. They were the most polite, kind, respectful, caring men I've ever been around. They were polite to me. They were kind. They were respectful. They asked me if I needed anything several times. I met the leader from the El Paso chapter, and as I shook his hand, I said, hey, I've got pastor friends in El Paso. And he said, oh, you have more new friends in El Paso. Here's the next thing they were. They were incredibly affectionate, and they hugged me, and they hugged each other, and a lot of them even hugged each other and kissed each other on the cheek. Now, I know how we are, guys, right? Now, I'm a hugger. I've always been a hugger, but sometimes as a man, it kind of can violate us, right? You know, man, you, you know how we hug as men. Y'all do, right? You know, right? I'm not gay. That's how we hug, right? <laughs> right, you know? And, and, and we, we want to make sure that everybody knows we're okay. I have a father-in-law who's 86, and he's ex-military, and whenever I see him, he shakes my hand very vigorously, and then he puts his elbow out so I can't move in for the kill, okay? You know? <laughs> He doesn't want to be hugged, and so I always get the elbow right in the chest. All right, and all I want you to say is I was blown away by the way these men treated each other, by the way they treated me, by the way they treated the family of the deceased, and the way they acted uh, was nothing like what I'd read. A few days later, I'm visiting with a young man in a, at a meal, and I was telling him my experience, and here's what he said. He said, it sounds to me like the uh, banditos are more like the church than the church is like the church. Wow, that hurts. It hurts. 
And so all I'm trying to say is, is, you know, is our Christianity a part of our daily life? There can be that gap. There can be that separation, if you will, in that. Now, I want to go to another verse. I want to read to you in uh, Matthew 23, verse 1 through 3. It's in the New Living Translation, and I'm going to read it to you off the screen. It said, Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the officials interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you. Don't miss this. But don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. Have you ever heard that saying? Hey, oh, so-and-so doesn't practice what they preach. Now, here's what's amazing. Jesus didn't say, don't follow those buffoons. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He respected their authority. He respected their position. And he told those around him, do what they teach, but... He said, don't do what they do. Later on in the New Testament, he accused them of being full of dead men's bones. Now, here's all I'm advocating to you this morning. As a disciple, I'm on this journey to be like Jesus, and I don't want what I believe and what I do to be different. I want those two things to be the same thing. Now, Jesus gave a measure in the New Testament of what it means to be a disciple. Now, that's what I'm talking about this morning. You and I are supposed to be disciples, then we're supposed to make disciples. Now, what's a disciple? A disciple is a person who's trying to be like their teacher. We're trying to become like Jesus. I'm trying to get off the throne of my heart. So, Jesus gave a simple measuring stick on how to tell if you're a disciple. Now, don't miss this. Now, listen, I read my Bible, I pray, I give, I'm in church, I do those things because I believe in those things and I want to do those things, but listen, that's not the measuring stick. Listen, I know a lot about the Bible, I've been studying the Bible my whole life, but it's not the measure of a good disciple. Listen, Vicki and I are givers financially, we faithfully give, we always have and we always will, but it's not the measure of a disciple. Let me show you what Jesus said it is. It's in John chapter 13, and it's verse 35. Listen to what it says. It says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Listen, the measure is love. Don't miss this now. This is the most important thing I want you to get this morning. Hey, how can I tell if I'm growing as a Christian? How can I tell if church is making a difference in my life? The measure is love. Now, Joe McGee, he's a good friend of mine. He's preached here many times. He said, people drive by your building on Sunday, and they hope and they pray that you are the real thing. When I was a kid growing up in high school, I had a cousin who was trying to be a cowboy. He wanted to be a cowboy, and he had a horse, and he wore cowboy boots, and and he was from Dallas, but never mind that. He was a cowboy, okay? Now, not the football kind of cowboy, the horse riding kind of cowboy. Well, he had a job at the Happy Feed Yard in Happy, Texas. And one Sunday, my dad let me go with him to work. I don't know how that all happened, but I got to go. And I got to ride a horse, and I got to be a cowboy. And we left at lunchtime to go eat lunch, and it was at the Happy Cafe. That was back in the old days. They still had a little restaurant there. And I'm in this pickup with these cowboys, these men. And I'm in hog heaven, man, right? You know, have you ever noticed how they don't sell trucks with businessmen? They sell trucks with welders and cowboys, right? Have you ever seen that on TV, right? And they're pulling things, and they have beards, right? I wish I had a beard. I mean, I've never been able to grow a beard, all right? 
So I'm riding in this car, this pickup, excuse me, with these cowboys and these folks who'd been to church. I knew they'd been to church because they were dressed up. They passed us on the way to the cafe, and the cowboy said this, blow it out your rear, you blankety-blank churchgoer. Now, you can fill in the blank. I don't want to, okay? You can fill in the blank. Now, I'm not picking on those people, and I'm not picking on the cowboy. All I'm wondering is, is had he run into somebody who maybe their life and their words didn't line up? When I was a kid growing up, my aunt and my cousins attended a different church than we did. And uh, the church that they attended, the pastor's daughter became pregnant out of wedlock. And she became pregnant with a young man that was a different race than her. And the pastor proceeded to emotionally and physically disown her. He let it be known publicly that she was no longer his daughter. And he let her know, you're no longer my daughter. And my aunt said this, and I'll never forget it. She said, he can't even love his own. How can he love us? And they proceeded to go to a different church. Now, I want to go to a different verse. Remember, it's love. Listen to this statement. You learn about God through teaching. That's what's happening right here. I'm teaching the scripture. You learn about God through teaching, but you become like God in community. Why does God want you to walk in love? He wants you to walk in love because we need each other. See, if you're going to be a Christian, a community is a requirement. All right, the little boy across the street from me is playing Tiger League football, and I'm at the house yesterday, and he's got his uniform on. He looks so amazing, man. He's got his pads on and his uniform and his shoes and his helmet and his gloves. I mean, he looks like he's ready for the NFL. I mean, he's got his gear on. He looks good. I went over there and said hi to him, and I mean, man, it was amazing just to see how he looked because he's going to play football. You all know as well as I do that's required equipment. You got to have pads. You got to have a helmet, right? You got to have the pants. You got to have the shoes. And if you're a real football player, you got to have the gloves, right? It's required equipment. Okay, listen, a community of other people is required equipment for you and I to love, for you and I to learn to become more like Jesus. I'm going to read to you out of Acts 246. The New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. Now, this is talking about Christians, the church. Okay, They worship together at the temple. Hey, that's what we're doing today. We're worshiping together. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful to get to worship with you. They worship together at the temple each day. Then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, this is a biblical model, and I don't want you to miss this. There's a big group, and there's a little group. There's a big group. That's what we're doing today. This is the big group. This is the third time this weekend we've had the big group. Amen. Third time. Amen. Amen. So there's three big groups that met this morning. But then there's the little group. That's the biblical model. Now, don't miss this. All right. One of the things that we do here is we do life groups. But listen, if you're leaving here and you're going with somebody else to go have lunch, that's the small group. Okay, there's the big group, then there's the little group. See, listen, we need each other. If the only time we see each other is in this building on Sunday, and we say hi and bye, and and I'm not against that, but if you don't see each other the rest of the week, something's missing. 
You see, we need each other. You know why we need each other? Because I'm supposed to be growing and I'm supposed to be becoming like Christ. Now, you know what we do? Well, you do just what I do. You see, I don't want anybody in my life that I don't like. I don't want anybody in my life that likes a different football team than I do. Right? I mean, I'm coming up to the parking lot here this weekend, and a, and a guy in a yellow truck went by, and on that yellow truck are these two big arrows on each side. And if you're here, I love you, brother. I don't know. I love you. And, and it says Washington Redskins on it. And I'm thinking, man, if I had an RPG, man, I could send him to Washington, Right? Right? I'm, I'm not, and if you're here, brother, I love you. I love you. My team's as bad as your team. Amen? So, you know, I'm suffering too. All right. But think how we do that, right? We only want to be around people that we agree with. We certainly don't want to be around people who vote differently than us. Right? I mean, I don't want to be around any of those kind of people. Anybody who thinks differently than me. But listen, now don't miss this. God's put those people into your life. And you know what they are? They're sandpaper. And you know what they're supposed to do? Rub you the wrong way. You know why? So you can learn to be like Jesus. So you can learn to be a disciple. So you can learn to love. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Look what this says. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, listen to this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Now, here's what's interesting, and I'm almost finished. You can't do any of those things alone. You can't, you can't be patient alone. You can't be gentle alone. You can't be kind alone. You can't love alone. You see, if you're out on a desert island by yourself, the fruit of the Spirit don't work. Why? It takes others. Well, I don't like your church, Pastor. I can't go to your church. So-and-so goes there. You miss the point. That's exactly where you're supposed to be. And you're supposed to sit in their section. Right? You're supposed to sit in their section because they rub you the wrong way. So I can stay on this journey of kindness and self-control and forgiveness and love. See, here's the mistake we've made. Well, pastor, I don't have time to be kind. I got to get something done. Yeah. It's all a choice. Or you know what else we've been told? We've been lied to. See, you've been told that love is weakness. Well, if I love, people will take advantage of me. If I love, then maybe that makes me less than a man. Listen, the strongest force in the universe is love. It's what held Jesus on the cross. Nails didn't do it. Love did it. Now, don't miss this, and I don't mean this wrong when you, you understand my heart. When you and I were dirty, rotten sinners, Jesus hung on the cross for us. When you didn't care and you didn't know, he hung on the cross for you. Listen, love is the most powerful force in the universe. When you decide to love, it will change everything about your life. It'll change your business. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your kids because you're becoming like Jesus because the only measuring stick for a disciple is, do I love? Are you going to blow it? You better believe you're going to blow it. Am I going to blow it? Only every day. Only every day. And you know what I do? I dust myself off. 
Friday night, we're having refresh. This room's packed with kids. It's hot. It's sweaty. The Holy Spirit's moving. We're, kids are running to the front to get prayer. I'm talking 130 kids at one time need prayer. And we've got about 10 volunteers. I go back into the nursery. There's nursery back there. And Vicky's in there. And I want her to come up and pray for kids. And I go in there and I say, is there anybody that can come in here and do this so you can come pray? She said, I'd love to come pray, but I don't have anybody that can come in here. I turned on my heels, and as she's still talking to me, I come through the door and closed it behind me. Bam! Then came in here and prayed for kids. Lord Jesus, just (laughs) touch these teenagers. Lord, help them, touch them, love them. Minister to my wife, Lord, just knock her in the head in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Did I blow it? You better believe I blew it. She got somebody. She came in and prayed. Then I'm like, I'm so sorry, honey. Please forgive me. And she's like, get away from me. I mean, I even have a sore finger where she bent it, all right? I mean, right right here, you wouldn't believe the things that she does to me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Listen, what's the point? The point is I make mistakes and I blow it. It's not about perfection. It's about recognizing Jesus. I want to walk with you. I want to be more like you every day. Would you give me patience? Would you give me peace? And would you help me to love those around me that I don't want to love? And Lord, change me. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let's pray.